Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. Hi, Amy. Hi, Alec. Do it again. <laughs> you see how she treats me? I'm not doing it again. I'm leaving all of this in. I just think that you're high. It just cracks me up because, like, when you call me during the day, first of all, you never say hi, ever. You're always like, do you know what's happening? Or Amy is usually how things start. And so when you say hi, it just doesn't seem, like, natural. But hi, how are you? I'll do something you're more used to. Amy, what? are you ready to podcast? I'm so ready to podcast. Let's do this. Okay, great. Well, tonight's topic is actually a listener suggestion. Ooh. So, listener who sent this, thank you. And if you have a suggestion, you can send it to us. Instagram, our email. We have a Twitter. I rarely use it. I'm not much of a Twitter person. Or a Facebook. So let us know. And maybe we'll do yours. So tonight's topic is vodka. As a whole, like all of the vodkas? Just vodka as a general? I mean, I don't think I have time to cover every single vodka. I couldn't even get a solid number on the number of vodkas, just even in the U.S. that are made. So Interesting. The general of vodka. Well, I will tell you, I'm, a, I'm an appreciator of vodka. I am not a student of vodka. I like it in my Bloody Marys. I like a, a great vodka martini. Actually, I would say of the two of us, I am probably more well-versed in vodka, and that is not saying much. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you what your favorite vodka drinks are, but I think you already answered my question. I, I do a dirty martini. Actually, my like bougie order when I'm at like out is a extra dirty martini with extra olives, um, but vodka, which I guess kind of defeats the point of having really nice vodka because like you're putting a bunch of olive juice or whatever in it. But it's delightful. And then, like, my brunch drink is a Bloody Mary. And then on occasion, if I'm just being cash and, like, cash, I have no other words for that. But, you know, just, like, a normal day. In general, for listeners, not that you need to know this about me because it's, like, day four of me being here. But in general, I'm a wine drinker. But vodka is my fallback solution, especially if you go to, like, a bar that you shouldn't order wine at. And, let like, I will tell you that story one day when it is more appropriate. Maybe we'll do a wine version of this. But when you go to a bar that you shouldn't order wine at, and wine drinker listeners will know this, I order a vodka crayon or a dirty martini. But sometimes, like, a dirty martini is a lot to handle because of the spillage factor of the glass. So a vodka crayon, although basic, is delightful, very easy to drink, and refreshing. Bloody Marys are a little bit heavier, and, like, you can't have eight of those in a night. Not that I'm having eight of anything, as a disclaimer, because I know our mother listens to this. But I'm not, generally. No, we know you are not. If we're just judging between the two of us, you are not the drinker. No, I'm not. But also, hi, Mom. But that is kind of my vodka knowledge. Neither of us are what I would call drinkers. Social drinkers only, I would say. Well, based on this conversation of knowledge, I would say that's probably pretty obvious. Yes. And I would say I do like a Bloody Mary from time to time. But as you know, I am not a liquor drinker. I am beer, beer, beer or wine. Occasionally, maybe like a margarita or something. But I don't even know if you know this. A fun alley fact. The only straight shot I've ever done, and I hate shots, and I usually sip shots like a baby. The only straight shot I've ever done properly ever was vodka. 
Really? I did not know that. Also, when? Very, very early on, you know, when you're just hit that 21 and you just don't know what you're getting yourself into yet. And I hated it. And you thought vodka shot? I'm sure I didn't choose it for myself. Okay. And I hated it. And I will never do it again. Hey, great podcast content, though. Gold. Absolute gold. Let's get to vodka. We should start with what is vodka? So this is from Britannica.com. It is a distilled liquor, clear, colorless, and without definite aroma or taste. Though I I don't think that that's accurate, but we'll get to that. Ranging in alcoholic content from about 40 to 55%. Interesting. It kind of feels like diamonds to me, right? Like... Probably the better the vodka, the clearer and less scenty and tasty it is. Like, right? Is it like the purer, the purer? Is that a word? We're going to go with it. The vodka, the better the quality. Maybe you'll educate me on this, but that would be my guess. Yeah, we're going to get to all of that. Those are great questions. But to start off, I have to immediately disagree with the statement from Britannica's definition that says without definite aroma or taste what well i mean there's it's not water compared to other alcohols though i could see that being an arguable statement and i'm sure that the the beverage experts out there will tell us what that officially means but i would argue it is one of the more general palatable beverage thingies i get what they're trying to say but you disagree you disagree with the professionals i you know it's an opinion I mean, I'm the expert now, so I know best. I'm sorry, you're right. 24 hours, go. <laughs> so just a fun fact, vodka comes from the Russian word voda, which means water. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Also misleading, but cool. I was out with friends one time, and this is a very mean trick that somebody played on me. I asked for a glass of water. I don't know if it was from a different friend or from the waitress, but my friend handed me his drink and he said, oh, here, you can have a sip of mine. It was not water. It was vodka. That is a very mean trick. Yeah. And he probably lost like half his glass because I like took a big swig and then I spit it out and I was like, oh oh my God. Good. Serves him right. Also, can we talk about the context of that story in the reality of COVID world? Like (laughs) that would never happen. I am in my 30s. This was in my 20s. So this is like 10 plus years ago that this is happening. (laughs) I am not sharing drinks with anybody No, I know that. I'm just saying when you talk about a story like that, you're like, what a weird scenario. But generally, that was a thing you would have done uh, two years ago. Just no big deal. Let me just have a sip of your drink. Not the spitting it out part, you know. Yeah, no, but having a sip of somebody's drink that you are very close with. (laughs) Yes. Well, that is a very mean trick. That was a very mean trick. Vodka has been around since at least the 14th century and may have been around as early as the 8th or 9th century. But it's hard to tell. But it's been around a very long time. Wow. Priorities, I guess. Yeah. And there's a lot of debate on whether it originated in Russia or Poland. I didn't dig too far deeper than to see that there was a big debate. So vodka was very popular in Russia and Poland and the Balkan states until soon after World War II. Then it started to gain popularity in the U.S. and Europe. So it really hasn't been that popular that long long? which is surprising i wonder if it has to do with like access and stuff or if it was just like cultural norms for different countries at the time very interesting yeah i don't know i don't know i know it's still early but i already need to go on a little side tangent here 
So have you heard, like when we're talking about liquor, they're like, oh, this is 80 proof. Yes. Uh, yes. And I feel like I have a very obscure understanding or maybe a perceived understanding of what that means. But hopefully you're here to enlighten me further. I am. It's my first tangent because I don't get any time anyone is like, oh, this is whatever proof, 80 proof, 100 proof. That means nothing to me. So I looked up what proof means. Still a little confusing, but it's the absolute alcohol content of a distilled liquor. It's determined by the specific gravity of the liquor compared to that of water. That's the no, definition. That's not, that's not more helpful. I know, it doesn't help me. It's like math calculations and stuff to figure out proof. Or, and personally this just makes more sense to me, a lot of over in Europe and here now, like beers and stuff, you'll see this, they will use the ABV, which is alcohol by volume, which is just a percentage. You know, like a beer would be like a 4% or a 6%. And then like a high beer would be like a 10%. So just more alcohol by volume, which makes way more sense than whatever this, I still don't understand what proof is. And I read like three articles on it. So it's interesting you say that because there is an influencer, a creator on social media. Her name's Lauren Powell. She's great. You should follow her. I, I adore her. But she does kind of taste testing of like seltzers and drinks and like how much of a certain beverage will get your, you know, blood alcohol level over a certain point. But she does some of these calculations in these videos. And that's the closest I've ever been to really understanding. And what you just said about that too, based on the percentage stuff, like makes way more sense than proof ever has. And so I feel like that's probably a more commonly accepted way to understand it. But I know there's probably some clout because everyone's like, oh, it's 80 proof, right? Like I remember in college, people were like, oh, this is like 80 proof or 50 proof. I'm not going to pretend to know what people were saying. But in that general space where I feel like that means nothing. But if someone was to give me that percentage, that makes more logical sense to me. Right, right. And I think a lot of beverages are getting away from proof and leaning more towards this ABV, alcohol by volume percentage. But if you want to figure out how to calculate it all, you can go read and figure out. Like generally I get higher proof is higher alcohol. Right. But proof means nothing to me. Yeah. (laughs) Because 80 proof doesn't mean 80% alcohol by volume. No. So there's a little side tangent. I don't know if I cleared anything up. No, I don't think you did. If anything, I think you made it murkier, but I think we can agree that it's not a helpful measurement. There you go. I made some sort of point, maybe, kind of. <laughs> we we both appreciate ABV. I think general listeners would agree. If there is a listener who can, in common terms, explain to us proof, we are all ears. Yes, or why it's better to use that over ABV. Right. Lots of questions. I'd say maybe another episode, but I don't care to look into it any further. Some other 24-hour expert can do that. Some other expert can look into that. Okay, let's get back to vodka. Vodka is made of mostly water and ethanol. Ethanol is the type of alcohol that vodka is. There can be flavoring, and it's traditionally made by distilling liquid from fermented cereal grains. Potatoes can also be used, as well as fruits, honey, or maple sap, which that was a fun fact. So I have heard of potato vodka. I knew, obviously, green vodka. I did not, I don't know that I've ever interfaced with, like, a fruit vodka. I've seen vodka mixed with fruit, like, flavored fruit vodka, but not uh, the origin of it. Right. And this makes it sound delicious, like, deceivingly delicious. Like, ooh, honey vodka? Distilled from honey? And I guarantee you I'd still hate it. But I'd be willing to at least try it just to see if it's better. Right. 
Well, I bet it comes in a pretty bottle that we could set on our bars and pretend that we drank sometimes. We're so cultured with our fancy vodka (laughs) bottles. So standard U.S. vodkas are 40% ABV or 80 U.S. proof. And that makes it sound like it's a nice, you know, 40, 80, like double ABV is proof, but it's not. It's like 1.8 blah, 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 blah. And this one, I guess if you round, maybe it's close enough. I think we need to leave the proof in the pasta. I think I need to move on. Yeah. Also, just a fun fact, 40% ABV is the minimum threshold in the U.S. EU requires a minimum alcohol content of 37.5%. I wonder why they're different. That's just because we're the U.S. and we got to do what we want to do. They're close. You know, rounding up the European one, it's 38% and U.S. is 40. So, yeah. I don't know how big 2% is in the world of alcohol, but... So traditionally, vodka is served neat, which, if you're not familiar with that term, just means no ice, just in a glass, and freezer chilled. It is best cold. Makes sense. Still sounds like not my cup of tea. So there are only three types of vodka that all vodkas fall into, and this is according to SIP Awards. There are plain vodka, fruit or herbal-infused vodka, or flavored vodka. And I thought it was interesting that infused vodka and flavored vodka were two separate things. I could see that, though, because infused vodka, at least to me and my perception of those words, means that they were actually at one point together commingling, whereas, like, flavored vodka is, like, we took XYZ flavor or artificial flavor and we just, like, drippy dropped it right into the bottle and shook it up. I'm sure it's far more professional than that, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it makes me think of, like, you know, all the different flavors of Smirnoff and yes. Bacardi. Like the marshmallow can- and the, the raspberry and all. Honestly, yeah. though, I have seen many a people on TikTok with these flavor vodkas making some pretty smancy drinks. And I think that looks delicious. But I know myself well enough to know that I would buy all that stuff and make one drink and be like, that was delightful and never do it again. Or think it wasn't delightful and then I've truly thrown all of that money out the window. But, like, more power to the people who, like, toast marshmallows to put on top of your drink. I really admire you. I love a fancy drink. I like the idea of a fancy drink, but I'm not going to be the one to make a fancy drink. No. I have a friend who really likes to do that. Like, he gets real into it and he has all the things. Like, I legitimately bought a shaker for my house for when he comes to visit because occasionally he will get the spur of the minute, like, inspiration to do that. But then I watch him and I think, that looks exhausting. Every time. Every time. So, Aim, you know, I love a list. So I looked up the top vodka brands in the U.S., and it was actually pretty interesting. Some I've heard of, some I haven't. And just as a note, these are top by sales. Got it. So by volume sold. So not necessarily, well, maybe, but not top quality. It could just be that the largest amount of them have been sold. Right. So do you want to start at number one and work our way down, or should we start at the bottom and work our way up? Bottom up. Okay, so coming in at number 10 is Barton's Vodka. Never heard of it. Haven't heard that one. Sky, which Sky, that pretty yeah. blue bottle, yeah. Kettle One. Kettle One, I've heard yeah. of. So then coming at number seven is Pinnacle. I've heard it. I've never had, well, I might have had it, but I've heard of that one. I have not. Six is Burnett's. Yeah, Burnett's, yeah. That was big in College Town. I have a comment on that later after we get to our list. Number five is Absolute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not surprising. Then four is Svedka. No. Never heard of that. 
I've heard of that one. Three, this one I had never heard of. New Amsterdam? No, I don't know that one either. Number two, and this is the favorite of a good friend of mine, Tito's. Tito's! Tito's is my favorite too. Tito's is actually what I have in my household at this exact moment. That's what we usually keep our bar stocked with because my friend loves it. Number one, this is not going to be surprising, Smirnoff. So you're telling me Grey Goose did not make the list. So this is member by sales. By sales. So Grey okay. Goose is on the pricier side. It is. It is the top shelf. I Okay, I understand. Smirnoff does not surprise me at number one, but it does surprise me that Grey Goose isn't on. But you know what I'm really surprised isn't on the list? And maybe this is a regional thing and not like a whole U.S. thing. But Pop-Off, by like sales volume... It's like one of the cheapest vodkas you can buy. All It's all they had in college, you know, when my friends would buy it. So you and I had very different college experiences because I have heard of Pop-Off. You've never heard of Pop-Off? I, no, I've, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. But like in my peripheral world, like that's not something I've encountered. Like Burnett's, yeah. Um, Smirnoff for sure, right? Because like Smirnoff Ice and all of the jazz of the that whole thing, but Pop Off is not something I'm familiar with, at least. Oh, okay. Well, you can get like a huge half gallon for really cheap, and I swear it's all anybody I knew in college or early twenties for like parties and stuff. Not you know when you want right. volume. Yes, yeah, I understand what you mean. If that makes yeah. me think of that episode of The Office. Where Michael goes to get, he's like, well, you're the expert. How will this get 30 people drunk? And the guy's like, 15 whatever of vodka. 15 bottles of vodka. Yeah, Yeah, it'll do the trick. So another interesting fact from bottledprices.com, and this is a direct quote from the website. As vodka was first being produced, aristocrats in both Sweden and Russia dictated that only noblemen could produce the spirit. Thus, not everyone could make or afford to drink what quickly became a popular liquor. However, in a tale as old as time, the poor folks determined they could use a cheap ingredient, potatoes, and make a good enough quality vodka. So it was just for fancy people to drink. Wow. And then all of us common people are like, "Mm, nah, we got this. Yeah. We use potatoes. Honestly, innovation at its finest. Which leads me to my second tangent of the episode. Is it about potatoes? It is. Because you know, You're a huge potatoes are potato one fan. of my favorite things ever. I genuinely thought when you said vodka as the topic, that potatoes was going to work its way in here somehow. That's definitely going to work its way in. And some producers of vodka still use potatoes in their recipes. Let's go on our potato tangent. Another alley fun fact. Apparently, I'm in a sharing mood this episode. I grow my own potatoes because one of my favorite things to do is make fresh hash browns for breakfast. Yes. And I can vouch they are delightful and delicious hash browns. And I give you all the credit in the world for taking the time to A, grow the potatoes, B, shred them up or do whatever one does to get them into the consistency you have them, and then B, fry them up. It is so much effort and they are so good, but it is so much effort. When I do make a batch of hash browns, I will typically freeze some so it's a lot quicker the next time. But about once a week, I have to freshly shred the potatoes and get them ready. And I don't eat them every morning. That would be like a crazy amount of calories. (laughs) So potatoes. What is a potato? Amy, I know you already know way too much about potatoes, so you can just 
mentally check out here for a second if you want to. Ready. Checked out. Just a fun Amy fact. Amy ran a focus group on potatoes or sweet potatoes. No, potatoes. Okay. Yeah. Just potatoes. Honestly, one of the most enlightening focus groups I've ever run. So a potato is a starchy tuber and a root vegetable. It's a perennial plant in the nightshade family. So dun-dun-dun, nightshade. That's a very dramatic label for that. And if you don't know what a tuber is, because I looked it up. It's the root. Well, it's an enlarged structure used as a storage place for nutrients for the plant. So a root. It's a swollen root. It's a storage structure, not necessarily a root, but potatoes are root vegetables. Yeah, because they're roots. I mean, okay, I don't know this scientifically for a fact. I just feel like it's a root. So there are close to 4,000 different varieties of potatoes. Wow. In order, just kidding. (laughs) And go. (laughs) Generally, the main groups are russet, which is a rough brown skin Like what most people think, like when you think Idaho potato or baked potato, that's a russet. Red potatoes, white potatoes, yellow potatoes, which are also called Yukons, Mm -hmm. and purple potatoes. So we're not accounting for like fingerlings and like those are So those would all be types that fall in one of these main categories. Oh, I would have thought that those would be independent, but I guess that organizes them much more neatly. So there's a lot in each category. And also just a fun fact... Sweet potatoes aren't potatoes. They're not. They're roots. They're roots. Oh, you know what? I will semi-correct my previous statements because I knew that sweet potatoes were not potatoes. I knew those were roots, and I may have bungled my potato knowledge. But I stand by the fact that I feel potatoes are root-esque. Well, they are a root vegetable, but they're a tuber, and a sweet potato is more of a root root. So sweet potato is not a tuber. Also, who gets to decide tuber is the word that we're using (laughs) to describe these things? I won't go into extreme detail, but different potatoes are best for different recipes. Generally, there are more starchy, also called mealy, but I think that word is gross, potatoes like russets. Yams and sweet potatoes would also fall in that category, even though they aren't potatoes. They are best for baking, frying, boiling, and mashing because the flesh easily breaks up. Other general category would be the waxy potatoes, which that description does not make sense to me, but okay. These potatoes are lower in starch and higher in sugar content and hold their shape after cooking. So generally they are your more smaller, rounder, like you mentioned, like the fingerlings. Yeah, the little red skins, all of those. Yeah. And they're better for recipes like potato salads or gratins, something where you want the potato to hold its shape for the recipe. Got it. Personally, I prefer a caribou russet for my hash browns because I think even within the russet family, you can get too sugary of one and then it doesn't fry up right. So you want a more starchy versus sugary russet if you're going to do any frying. Fun fact about Allie, she had a batch of potatoes that were... A touch too sugary. And this was just a whole conversation we had for an ongoing amount of times that this batch of potatoes were a touch too sugary and therefore did not create the perfect crispy hash brown that she was achieving. Hence, starting off her self-potato growing initiative so that she could control the potatoes in which she was using. Yes, because I try and buy local. And for some reason, local potatoes were getting a touch too sugary. For my preference, so between 
me and my dad, we have the potato situation on lockdown. You do. And I actually just picked up a fresh, because I've already used all mine. He grows in a lot bigger quantity than I do. Just picked up a fresh bag of potatoes from their house today. Honestly, what would we do without without our little farmer father? But we we have not wanted for potatoes or truly any other vegetables at all this season. But I have never seen someone who appreciates potatoes quite the way you do. Honestly, for a vodka 24-hour expert, we've spent quite a bit of time on potatoes. Good point. All right, so tangent over. Let's go back to vodka. Amy. You are going to have your friends over. You want to host a vodka tasting party. What do you need to do and how are you going to do this tasting? (laughs) Don't worry, because I'm going to tell you. Because I know you don't know. I have six glasses because that's the amount of people I know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So this is from greygoose.com. Oh. First, you're going to want to... So the glasses they use, I, I didn't look up what they were called. I'm sure they're like a little snifter glass, if that's the word. That's correct. But it looks like a little mini wine glass, like a baby wine glass. Does it actually have like the flutey part or does it yeah, like, like flare the flute at the top? Yeah, like the and the stem. Yeah, okay. well, it has it has the flute. It does flare out at the top, but it has a stem. I see. Like a little tulip, like a baby tulip. First thing you want to do, pour a small amount into the glass. You want to hold it up to the light or put a plain white piece of paper behind it so you can note the color, the clarity, and the luminescence. Also, don't forget to check the legs. So like you would do with wine, give it a little swirl, see how it drips down the glass. The legs will give you a good indication of the viscosity and the mouthfeel of the vodka. These are words I know from Wine World. And I love that they're interchangeable, but also had no idea vodka had similar characteristics for evaluation. Yes. In this first step, questions we want to ask ourselves. Are the legs thin or are they heavy? Oh, we like a thick girl. (laughs) Does it have an oily body? Is it very clear or does it have a darkish hue? Does it have a sheen to it? So these are things we want to look at in this first step. So it is a diamond. Well, maybe. It's just one of its characteristics. It's one of my characteristics too when I'm sweaty. There you go. So next, we're going to smell it. Now, important note. Unlike wine tasting, do not shove your nose down in the glass. That is for wine tasting, we shove our nose in the glass. This, we want to let the aromatics rise gently to our nose. So agitate the glass and inhale gently, like, over the glass. (laughs) I'm following you. I'm following. Questions we want to ask ourselves at this step. Is the smell heavy? Is it reminiscent of whiskey? Is it sweet? Creamy? Is it black peppery? Is it nutty? I didn't know vodka could have any of these smells. No. That's a very impressive range that vodka can achieve, but I had no idea it existed. Then, now we finally get to sip it. But, take a little sip, swirl it around, prepare your palate, spit it out, then immediately take a sip, and that's the sip you're going to taste. Seems wasteful, but for an experience, okay. Yeah, mini sip, swirl, prepare the palate, spit it out, real sip. Questions you're going to ask yourselves when you're tasting it. Is it bready, earthy, grainy, creamy? Is there a heat to it? Is it citrusy? Does it taste like honey? And these words are all very weird words to all put together. Is it earthy but grainy and creamy? (laughs) Like you've painted such a lovely picture of vodka, but I just don't feel like those are any of the words I would associate with my vodka experiences. I know. Same. Like this makes me want to drink vodka. Yeah. 
maybe we're just, not maybe, we probably haven't had good vodka. Oh, we for sure haven't. I think I've had two beverages in my entire life in which I used whatever was considered top shelf vodka. So probably what, Grey Goose at that point. And even then I was like, look how bougie I am. So I'm sure there's a whole world of vodka that's far beyond that that we have not experienced. Yes. So there you go. Those are the three steps you're going to repeat for all the vodkas in your tasting. You can look up the answers to these questions for most vodka. So for example, let's say you're sampling Grey Goose. The appearance would be polished and crystal clear with substantial legs and body. The aroma is a subtle lemon zest befitting a wheat vodka with a touch of baked bread notes, which yum. The taste is thanks to the essence and character of the Bacardi wheat Its taste combines the richness of almond with apple and citrus alongside a hint of pepper and anise. I love it. My favorite part of this entire description, again, realizing, although I think this is a clip we should pull from this here meeting, you are so animated in delivering those words. (laughs) Got some shoulder action happening. We've got hand flicks and like the little chef's kiss symbols and all of it, but... Honestly, you've made vodka sound delightful. Oh, good. It makes me want to drink it. So maybe venture somewhere nice that I know is going to make a really good cocktail. There you go. That's a good place to start. Like most things, there are awards you can win for having a great vodka. So I looked up, and this is from Forbes, the 2021 Spirits Master World's Best Vodkas. Okay. The winner of the... Tastemaster Award is the Namirnov Burning Pear Vodka. Ooh. It's a flavored vodka infused with honey, pepper, and pear. It is not expensive. It's around $12, but it's very hard to find in the U.S., which is sad because it sounds so good. It does sound so good. So then in the next category, which is the premium category, which are bottles that cost between $15 and $30, was the Halewood Artisanal Spirits J.J. Whiteley Artisanal Russian Vodka. A Which mouthful of a name. You know it's good because it's artisanal twice. Yeah. Also, is it artisanal or is it artisanal? That's for a different day. I'm I don't know. genuinely. I, don't know. I, I guess I, probably both are acceptable. Probably both. I think that would be one of those things to put on the list of like, how do you say it? Just be interesting. Yes. It's a clean and crisp vodka with warm spiciness and subtle hints of fruit, vanilla, and almond. Sounds delightful. Also sounds good. Yeah. So the top scoring in the super premium category, which are bottles that cost between $30 and $45, there was a four-way tie between five vodka from Penadaren Distillery. Probably not saying that right. 58 Distillery from 58 Distillery. Rika Vodka from William Grant & Sons. And Camo Original Premium Vodka not going to describe each one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. And then the last category is the ultra premium, which are bottles that are $45 and up. And this had a three-way tie between Uoka Tanzanite Vodka, probably not saying that right, One True Maverick Vodka, and Pure Vodka. Wow. I would have thought the categories were much further apart. Like to, to hear that the ultimate level is really a $45 bottle and up. I'm sure there are some that are very expensive that fall in that category. But like $45 is relatively attainable if you wanted to go out and get a nice, you know, yeah, bottle. bottle yeah. 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 
So if you want to try the 2021 World's Best Vodkas, there you go. And again, that's from Forbes, so you can look it up and see pictures of the bottles and all that jazz. I wanted to end this episode with a fun fact, and not really a game because it's only one question, but let's talk about the most expensive bottle of vodka. Okay, I'm ready. All right, guess how much? And hint, the cost is largely due to the bottle itself. For a single bottle? For a single bottle of vodka. Going $12,000? Oh, you're so far away from the correct answer. In which direction? Way too low? Low. Oh. $7.25 million. By prices, right rules, though, I'm still the closest without going over. You're still, because nobody else bid. (laughs) So it's from a brand called Billionaire Vodka. Sure. It's their 2015 vodka. It comes... The bottle comes decorated with almost 2,000 diamonds set in gold. The bottle is dressed with a deep black faux fur, and this is a direct quote, for a guilt-free touch of royalty. What part? Okay, sure. Yay, faux fur. I support that. Yeah. And the real kicker? It sold out. You can't get it. Also, it was in 2015, but it sold out. At $7.25 million a bottle. I hope those people really enjoyed it. And I don't know. I checked the article thinking I missed it. The article I got this from did not say how many bottles they made. Right. But they did make, if you didn't want quite as expensive one, like a bottle that only had six diamonds and a gold dog tag on it for some still ridiculous price. Sure. Well, if you're going to go big, you might as well go big, I guess. Yeah. I just, I, I can't believe they sold one of these, let alone multiples. Right? It's shocking. Also, I would have, I mean, I was thinking 12 was like a safe guess, like 12,000. And then I was like, honestly, we could probably go 40,000. That wouldn't be too crazy. I still would have been nowhere near that. No. So there you go. There is a lot of, well, new knowledge for me about vodka. Do with that what you will. That was a good one. I really enjoyed that one. If you have any corrections or suggestions... You can reach us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. It is our Instagram and our Facebook. You can find us there. We'll see you next time. We'll hear you next time. We'll talk at you next time. We'll talk at you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 